Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Heva. If it's your first time joining us, welcome. If you're a regular listener, it's nice to have you back. Happy 2022. I hope everyone had a good holiday or holidays, I should say. You know, I feel like if you went home to see your family for the holidays, there is like a 99% chance that you're feeling pretty triggered right now. Like there's just something about our family. Maybe it's because they have years in training of what our triggers are that they're just so good at bringing it all out. And I think really the key of how much your self-work and everything you're doing is working is being able to be in those highly triggering situations and not getting highly triggered. I am not there yet. I learned that the past few weeks. But hey, we're all working on it. And today's guest is actually the perfect person to help you work through those triggers. I have on my somatic therapist, Andrea Lee. She's an expert in all things mind-body connection. I really wanted to have her on A, just because of the timing of everything, both with everything I just said about the holidays, but also with COVID popping off as much as it is right now. I think we're all feeling certain ways in our bodies, and she's the perfect guest for anything mind-body connection. And also, it's in theme with our 2022 year of main character energy. There are a lot of things that stand in the way of us embodying main character energy, and a lot of it comes from childhood. A lot of the time, we don't even know where it's coming from. We don't know how to label it. We don't know how it feels. We don't really know how to identify and work through these emotions, and somatic therapy is the perfect place for that. So I'm going to keep this intro short because it's a super, super long episode. There's just so much good stuff in there. We talk about the origins of this podcast being called Blush. We talk about the concept of blushing. We talk about a lot of mind-body things, a lot of physical symptoms that people see that are actually emotional pain that have been translated into physical symptoms. 
We also talk about a lot of crazy shit that I've done and said lately and what could be underlying that. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Definitely look in the show notes for how to reach Andrea. And also we talk about pelvic floor quite a bit. So look in the show notes for resources on that. If you enjoy the episode, please share it with someone you know who might benefit from it. If you know people who struggle with certain physical pains or ailments that are kind of unidentified and undiagnosed or we can't really find the root cause, definitely send this episode to that person. And also, as always, please leave a five-star review. Uh, leave comments, DM me if you have any questions. I always love interacting with you. And now on to the episode. Andrea, I'm so excited to finally have you on the podcast. I honestly have wanted you on ever since I started the podcast. Also, you're one of the only people who knows this, but do you remember I had the idea to start like a YouTube channel years ago and what call it makes Blush? You, and I remember this. I remember this, Eva. You said, and I want it to kind of be a little tongue-in-cheek with every guest and say, so tell us something that makes you blush. Yeah, I which thought, we have not done. What a great idea. <laughs> and then um, you had messaged me and said, hey, I did the podcast, and I saw that you stuck with the name Blush, and I loved the logo, and I listened to the first one. Mm-hmm. And then I was wondering, where was the question? Yeah, because <laughs> I kind of forgot about that. And then when we were, you know, coming up with podcast names, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I was like, wait, what about blush? It's so good. Yeah. I love it. It's emotional. It's physical. And it's incredibly relatable because who hasn't experienced something that's made them blush? Right. Uh, and of course, it's a pleasing word. Yeah, it is. And, you know, nice color palette. Wait, so should we do it? What's something that makes you blush? Do you want to do it in context to something specific? Sure. Oh, we can talk a little bit later about a consult call that made me blush. Ooh, okay, okay. So stay tuned for the end of the episode for that. Um, So consult call. Uh, so Andrea is my somatic therapist and you just added yourself. I wasn't sure if you were going to. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. No. I... <laughs> yeah. Total transparency with you and your audience. I love yeah. it. I love 1, it. 1000%. They've heard so much worse than this. I'm sure everyone's <laughs> relieved that I actually am seeking help. So. <laughs> told people about you you know through all the years and usually everyone's reaction is what the fuck is somatic therapy Mm -hmm. my brother has come to call it touch therapy um yeah but can you explain what it is because I actually never really know how to answer the question myself absolutely I think that the easiest explanation of what it is is a therapeutic approach that focuses really on the embodied experience Mm -hmm. and that's it that's it that's all you need to say okay that's all it is we're focusing on the embodied experience now well what what does that mean it means when you have an emotion you feel it Mm -hmm. the same way you feel an ache in your knee if you've walked too much the same way you would feel comfy uh in in a nice soft blanket we feel emotions inside and anything that happens inside 
is the body. Your nervous mm. system, there have been decades and decades of research on how the nervous system and anxiety are so dynamically intertwined. We talk a lot about, the, you know, I need a break, I need something to give. Well, how much time are we spending in homeostasis? That's the rest and digest and process mm. part of your parasympathetic nervous system. There's so much going on in here. And just to demystify a little bit about emotions, they're in motion. The word is cooked in. It is a peptide and a receptor. That's it. That's all it is. They move through our body the same way we move through our life. So instead of talking about a feeling, we really want to get to know the feeling itself so that we can really attune and tend to what it needs and what it's doing, how it's trying to keep us really... And this is kind of a little theological about it, but the theory in somatic therapy is human design. We are designed for two reasons, and everything goes back to these two tenements. Your body wants you to feel perceptively safe and protected. Mm -hmm. Perceptively is a really important word here. You can be safe and feel unsafe. Oftentimes, a lot of people feel uncomfortable and their bodies will respond as though they are unsafe. Right. I mean, that's kind of the premise of a lot of anxiety that we feel Absolutely. now, right? Absolutely. The more we get to know our own emotional expressions, we get to know our own parts, like the part of someone who feels insecure or the part of someone that feels really confident at work, but helpless communicating with a romantic part partner we want to get to know all of these different parts and what they need so that the client and their thinking mind and their sense of identity can include their embodied experience and their emotional self this also mm -hmm. expands a little bit to some belief systems like i can't trust anyone that's an example of a belief system it's about bringing everything onto the same page because your body is constantly learning every single minute you can't stop it these mm -hmm. neurosynapses are firing electrical signals to each other thousands and thousands and thousands of times per second mm -hmm. we can't stop our body being in communication with itself so why not have a conversation mm. beautiful so i mean you kind of already answered it but what is the difference between regular therapy yeah, somatic therapy. I love traditional therapies. Most of my clients are actually working with traditional therapists and we work in tandem. It's a little bit different, I think, in the biggest way about what we're listening for when we're hearing our clients and what we are bringing into the dialogue for our clients. Mm -hmm. We go from about analytical pragmatic to, well, wait, what does frustration feel like? Mm -hmm, take a mm -hmm. beat, take a pause. How does frustration feel for you? And someone might say it feels like a stop and go, stop and go all the time, stop and go. That is going to be an experience that's unique to that person. Mm -hmm. Where someone else might say frustration feels like a burning in my stomach that I just want to let out. Now, instead of analyzing frustration as it is as a word and definition and not an experience, we're kind of limiting what's going on inside the client for the client um, 
So again, it's a lot about talking with directly. It's a lot more creative as well. Mm-hmm. Um, art therapy, obviously, dance therapy. There are so many wonderful creative methods out there. If you're a creative person and you're thinking about therapy, there are so many creative approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but we rely heavily on the use of simile, metaphor, analogy, imagery. Uh, even one of my favorites, actually, is, is hand gestures. When someone says it feels like it makes a gesture with their hand of a hand shaking and trembling. That is so informative. And not just for me, but we're talking about emotional expression and feelings in a different way for the client. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's great. I mean, I know what the front of my face looks like. I know what the back of my head looks like. But sometimes when I see myself in a semi-profile in a photo, I'm like, oh, hey, (laughs) look at Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So looking at them in a little bit of a different way. It's less linear, uh, and always the focus is experience. So how does that feel? What's that like? How would you describe it? These are really common verbal interventions that we use. The biggest difference is uh, the ability to employ gentle touch. Now, Mm -hmm. I do see clients in person three days a week. I also see clients remotely Mm -hmm. two days a week. So the verbal interventions and all of the focus and attention, um, the kind of dialoguing with, which comes from something called parts work from Dick Schwartz. You can look him up on the internet, but I warn you, his he's not the best communicator, but okay. you could look up something called parts work or IFS and get a really good idea of what it's like getting to know your parts and being in dialogue with them and including them in the conversation. There's a lot of really great YouTubers out there that do a good job explaining it. Mm-hmm. So we were able to do a lot of that on Zoom. However, traditional therapy, whether it's traditional talk in that realm, I'm excluding other traditional therapies like acupuncture and, mm-hmm. and physiotherapy which are all wonderful as well. Um, But traditional talk therapy, they're really not touching a body. And in-person sessions allow us this wonderful opportunity to say, you know, you're feeling heartache. Let me slide my hand under your shoulder and place my hand close to your heart so that we can really be with what you're feeling. It helps the client raise their own awareness Mm-hmm. of what it's like touch communicates it's our first language mm-hmm. before we can tell our parents what we want babies scream and cry and, and fuss but when they're held lovingly they're regulated and soothed we know this is adults when we get a hug that wasn't welcome <laughs> we know mm-hmm. this also in turn when we have a really really great kiss touch Mm -hmm. communicates and bringing touch into the process can really uh, expedite I think the client's ability to really resource these new ways of appreciating and being with what they're feeling right I can say from my own experience I did talk therapy for many many years before Mm -hmm. I started seeing you and actually funny story Oh, I love funny stories. So, well, you know the Those story. Are the best kind. Um, <laughs> I'm a retailer. We yeah. tell, we tell. You'll, you'll recognize it. So I moved to New York. I was seeing this guy. We call him the comedian on the show. <laughs> and we 
got in a big fight and weren't speaking and I was just so like desperate and distraught and all the things and so I went to this tarot reader you know just desperately wanting someone to be like no like this is your soulmate you'll get back together or whatever and this tarot reader was like you need a certain type of therapy. He's like, I don't know what it is. I'm not familiar with it. I just see the word somatic coming up a lot. Completely unfamiliar with the concept of somatic therapy. I walk out, I just Google somatic therapy. Your website was the first thing that popped up. I mean, props to your SEO. And (laughs) (laughs) we should have you on another time to just talk about that because it's incredible. And that's how that started. But okay. Going back to my experience with you. I mean, how magical was that moment, though? How incredibly magical feeling and serendipitous that you, you went to this person who really could have given you what you were after and, mm-hmm. and instead said, this is not the confirmation bias you are looking for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. You know, resource that out of nowhere and without saying, hey, I know somebody or I know of this thing. It was it was almost like they, I don't know if it was a woman or a man, but it was almost like they were kind of finding it with you. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. I, to this day, I think he might be the only legit tarot reader I've ever had. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I am bonkers for that stuff, by the way. Um, I could talk about, I've tried and done, if something is like a tarot or astrology or Akashic record reading or whatever, I always try it once. Mm -hmm. I think it is so fun. It is fun. It is fun so long as you don't get too carried away with it. Yeah. I I look at it as what I want from this really is insight and to get me thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, I have clients that sometimes actually refer to someone when they feel really stuck. Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and I feel like you know what I think you need a little bit of magic Mm. because just the experience might be enough to move an inch to push that needle ever so slightly to remind your body and you that you can there's movement still possible you're not right you're not really stuck yeah oh I love that interesting Mm mm-hmm but yeah, so I came to you. I was still seeing my regular talk therapist from many years. Oh, yeah. And one thing I noticed that was so different was in therapy, he'd be like, okay, well, for example, like, how does that make you feel? And I just wouldn't know. Like, I just a lot of times in therapy just didn't have answers. Mm-hmm. And it was really frustrating, I think, for both of us in a way. And... I was kind of shocked and really pleased at how much in somatic therapy I would go in with no answers, no thoughts, no <laughs> feelings, and then just the process of doing it being on on the table, you know, kind of giving emotions or feelings a body part and a space and really describing them. Things would come up that weren't coming up in talk therapy. I understand that because I've seen it happen for a lot of people. Um... I, I love what you said because I think it's really worth repeating. We often don't know. Mm-hmm. And that is real. We don't know because as we get older, our 
society or, or family or I don't know modern society I am a New Yorker I've always been a New Yorker so I can only speak as a New Yorker which is we're not a very emotional lot mm-hmm. not outwardly right not outwardly um, the older we get somebody I'm sure someone at some point in your life has teased you for crying Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, I cry, I cry so much. So I'm sure it's happened <laughs> many, many times. <laughs> we start to learn that emotional expression is not exactly acceptable when we mm-hmm. get older. You know, when a child feels an emotion, you can tell what it is <laughs> because they are fully in the emotion. But as we get older, we start to say, "Oh, that's sad." Mm-hmm. And it's always like those primary ones, sad, mad, glad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just those really primary ones. Um, and it's really the devil's in the details, which mm-hmm. is if someone comes in and says, I don't know, it's like, okay, that's fair. Do you feel present today? Do you feel like you're here? Are you feeling foggy? Because there's going to be something there. There's going to be something there. And with a little bit of options presented to someone and the options being not really what they expect, like, hey, does it feel like there's a cloud over your head or over your eyes? Mm. That's a difference. There's a difference. Right. Once they get a little bit of creative options, it's incredible what people can really get in touch with. But yes, I do hear that a lot, which is I have a hard time identifying my emotions and it's affecting my relationships. Mm-hmm. How can you be communicative in a partnership, a friendship, uh, with a family member if you're if you're struggling yourself to be fluent mm-hmm. in what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Is there any common thread in what your clients seek you out for? Well, I think that the the intention of everybody, for the most part, you know, obviously not everyone, but the majority of, of people I get are, are seekers. They mm-hmm. are... They feel or they sense, they believe or they know something isn't quite fitting, something isn't quite right, or something's there, and they're curious. Mm -hmm. Um, They've done either uh, a lot of therapy on their own, which is through reading and journaling and meditation, and they get to a point where they want to go a little bit deeper. Um, Or they've been in a different therapy and gotten wonderful things out of it, but feel like one thing or two things or something. Again, often it's a it's a question. Something is there, and they want to look at it maybe in a different way or mm-hmm. have help mm-hmm. going on that journey of well, what is this mysterious thing? So, curiosity. That is the word. Most people reach out to me when they are curious, mm-hmm. and it's one of my favorite words. I think curious and weird are my top two favorite words oh i like that weird is fantastic yeah weird is something out of the ordinary and isn't that what we all want right something yeah. out of the ordinary right because i think boring or boredom is probably the worst they're not pleasant yeah so they're like anything weird i will welcome mm-hmm. 
because I just am trying to not be bored. Like that's my number one thing in life. Trying to not be bored. Well, you've created uh, this podcast, which is very much a, hey, let's have a giant conversation with an audience of people. That's a great way to stay on board. Yeah, entertained for sure. Yeah, for sure. And the weirder the conversation, the better. (laughs) That's definitely something that was a component of me really wanting to do this work is the least boring thing to me in the entire world is the depth and complexity of of, of a human. Mm-hmm. I'm never bored. Mm-hmm. Never, ever. And people go to work all the time and they come home and like, how, how was your day? That was fine. I come home and I'm like, wow, <laughs> almost all the time. <laughs> it's it's an awe, a whoa, a this, a that. It's it's never boring. People are endlessly fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'm now trying to think of if I was that interesting. I feel like I mostly just cried about being single. Like, <laughs> well, I think that that was connected to a lot of other things. Right. It just that was what was current. Mm-hmm. And it, it it went really far back, but I'm certainly going to protect your privacy and uh, just nod at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was never boring. Okay. Never good. boring. Absolutely. That makes me feel good. Uh-uh. I always look forward to having you on the schedule. Oh, thank you. Always, always. <laughs> and I think that anybody who works with people uh, can be really honest about that, which is, there are some people that we really enjoy working with. Um, and, and some people we, you know, we're working with them and, and we can hope and hold our intention for them, but they're not as enjoyable to work with. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad I'm in the other category. Absolutely. <laughs> Is there anything that... Actually, ooh, I have a two-part question. Ooh. Is there anything that you won't work with people on and also have you ever had to ask someone to stop coming in yeah um so the first obvious thing that i don't work with is um mental illness that is unmanaged Mm -hmm. Um, as smack therapist we are trained really to do this awesome embodied approach emotional expression parts work there's a lot of stuff but not a mental health care provider mm-hmm. um, now that being said I have a lot of clients who have been diagnosed handed a diagnosis that they resonate with and they're getting treatment for and they're very managed I'm very happy to work with those mm-hmm. individuals I do not have any training uh, or skill really or experience working with couples. Okay. I kind of wish that was not the case, but not something I do. I can't work with couples. Are you interested in doing it ever? I don't know. Okay. This is this literally hatched yesterday. So it's oh. it's brand new. It's in its little tiny like two cell form. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But sometimes when I have clients talking about a loving partner and I've been working with the client for a really long time. Uh, there's a part of me that speaks up and says, just get him in here. <laughs> right. Get him in here. We'll, we'll, we'll zip this up. Um, I don't work with children. So over okay. the age of 18, um, I do know some really good referrals for that. Okay. And I personally have a preference of what I don't work with as I think that anyone working with 
difficult topics would. Um, I do not work with uh, people with active addiction or mm -hmm. people who are in the recovery process. Mm -hmm. um, I think addiction specialists are there for a really, really good reason. Yeah. And personally, having grew up with a family of really, and there are different kinds of addiction. This was very severe, you mm -hmm. know, 99% of their day, both parents and sibling were, it was just constantly about a drug, mm -hmm. constantly about getting the drug, getting the money for the drug, getting the money, getting the drug, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So having done all of my work as an adult child of addicts uh, and an adult child of a dysfunctional family, um, I don't like to get too close to the topic of addiction firsthand. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, I love working with other ACOAs, adult oh, children of addicts, and I okay. love working with adult children of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. i very, very, very passionate about that. Um, because I, I did it. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I did a, I did a lot of work um, on myself. And and I can see what's possible mm -hmm. in, in the change. And I'm really passionate about that for other people. Yeah. So I want to get back to, if you don't mind talking about this, sure. your family stuff. I assume yeah. that kind of ties into how you came to somatic therapy. It was like the least linear thing. Okay. I was in my 20s, early mm -hmm. 20s, and I was in a bad romantic encounter. It went on for about three or four months. And during that three or four month period, all of a sudden, my vagina hurt. Mm -hmm. And um, if HIVA could link some resources to anybody who says home, uh, in the podcast, that'd be really great. Yeah, I'll put stuff in the show notes, yeah. And I went to every single gynecologist. I think I did 24 gynos in a year. Mm -hmm. There was nothing wrong. I was told over and over and over again, nothing wrong, nothing wrong, nothing wrong. And I ended up going to New Jersey to see a doctor. I schlepped to New Jersey, guys. This is New York goddamn city. Yeah. <laughs> she went from Brooklyn to New Jersey. Literally. Like, for anyone who's not from here, crossing a bridge is a big deal. You cross two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically. And, and, and one would assume that New York City would have the best of the best. Right. Uh, and whether or not they did or didn't at the time, this is now, Jesus Christ, 15, 16 years ago? Mm-hmm. And I can say now that finding someone to, to work with you that is a medical professional is a, it, thousands of times easier mm -hmm. than it was about 16 years ago. 16 years ago, nobody knew what this was, really. And it was an infectious disease doctor who said, okay, everything's completely ruled out. This is not an infectious disease. There's nothing structurally wrong. There's nothing physically wrong. But the pain's clearly real. You have a pain condition that affects the pelvic floor and thus the vaginal canal and the vulva mm -hmm. and he literally said I don't know what to do but I've seen it before because people come to me as a last resort mm -hmm. so somewhere down the rabbit hole I found that people actually did physical therapy for their vagina and it did wow. not make any sense to me okay 
I could oh. use physical therapy on my vagina. I abs- go for it. Go for it. Yeah. I, why not? Yeah. Why not? So I could not understand how physical therapy could help at the time. Now, a uh, pelvic floor physical therapist can explain it to you in 30 mm-hmm. seconds. And it's probably best left for them to explain rather mm-hmm. than myself. But muscles can only do so much. And we're talking about the group of muscles in your pelvic floor being dysfunctional. So the word is hypertonic, which basically means that they're clenched. Your mm-hmm. pelvic floor is clenched all the time. And your muscles can only do a couple of things. They can relax, they can tense, and they can spasm. That's it. However, your skin that these muscles are pulling on inadvertently when they're clenched can do a lot. Mm. It can release histamine uh, and inflammatory, other inflammatory uh, hormones and chemicals because your body's going, something's wrong, something's wrong. And this is how your body repairs. Mm. So suddenly the skin begins to burn um Mm. yeah it's your body's attempt to to correct it Mm -hmm. um so anyway i ended up with this physical therapist who was absolutely fantastic um we almost had the same birthday wow we lived in the same neighborhood i i really immediately felt bonded to this this person and she said, I can help you. And up until this point, this is three years in, by the way. Mm-hmm. Nobody had said that. Mm-hmm. And I found myself often laying on the table and talking about my life. Mm-hmm. And I would talk a lot about what was going on at home. And obviously, I could trust this person because she was really helping me. I was feeling so much better. So I started to let her in on some of the stuff uh that was going on at home and for an adult child of dysfunction and addiction it's really hardwired in us to keep it a secret Mm -hmm. don't tell anyone outside the house what's going on Mm -hmm. um and i told her what was going on and and, uh i came in one day and she said hey you know how are you and i said um i'm weird there's that word again Mm. uh my mom died of an overdose two days Mm. ago and she looked at me and said, what the hell are you doing here? I didn't know how to answer that. I said, well, what am I supposed, what am I supposed to do? What else am I supposed to do? I had an appointment. Right. <laughs> I, can't, what am I, I can't channel her uh, or go back in time, so I'm here. And she really insisted um, that I try something that is, at the time she called it a mind-body approach. Okay. And she recommended seeing someone who worked with the mind body and I found a somatic therapist. Okay. I actually love the mind body approach. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe consider <laughs> rebranding back to that. I love it too, but it's such a, it's a beautifully encompassing term, right? right? As, as it should be. Mm-hmm. What, what is and what isn't mind body? I, I, I wouldn't know where to draw the line in the sand there. Mm-hmm. So with specificity, I think that the term somatic therapist is a little advantageous um, because mind body could literally be uh, laying on a yoga mat yeah. and belly breathing. And, in fact, and I think is. that's what most people would think and, and, and <laughs> just it, looking yeah. at it. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is. Um, but anywho, I found this woman and uh, I was such, can I curse? Oh Yeah. I was such an asshole. Oh, I was such an asshole. I walked in and I was like, 
all right, so you're supposed to help me with all my problems, right? <laughs> Such an asshole. You have to understand at this point, I was really jaded, not only from my childhood, but from being around doctors for almost three years and no one helping. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my theme, Eva, was no one's helping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all the adults. Mm-hmm. And then when the professional caretakers, literally professional caretakers, weren't helping me, I was at my wit's end. Right. Right. And I'm sure, I don't know if I'm overstepping, no. but having parents who probably weren't they helping didn't you. because yeah, they, didn't they were, care. You, you know, they had their own priorities. It uh, really was kind of that, like, wait a second, did I get this wrong? Because I thought mm-hmm. parents were supposed to take care of me. Wait a second, did I get this wrong? Because I thought adults were supposed to be responsible. Wait, did I get this wrong? I thought doctors were supposed to help. Mm-hmm. Did I get this wrong? There was a lot of defeat. Mm-hmm. So I walked into this beautiful person, <laughs> and I was, I was very jaded. And I told her my story, and I just laid it out. And I was like, you know, hi, my name is Andrea, and my parents are heroin addicts. My sister's a heroin addict. My mom died about two weeks ago. She overdosed. And that's it. it. I was challenging. Oh, God. And she just knew exactly how to be with me in the moment mm-hmm. and be with me in the space. And I think that was the first time that someone said, I'm so sorry mm-hmm. that that happened to you. I happen to know a lot about adult children's uh, of addicts and adult children of dysfunction. I, I have a lot of experience helping them. And just like the physical therapist that told me, saying, I can help you, mm-hmm. I was on board. And the first time I laid on her table, fully clothed, by the way, everybody, <laughs> uh, she, it was like the end of the session. I did not get on that table for like four sessions. I didn't understand. I was like, that's woo-woo shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get on the table and she cradles my head and now this is like giving bread to someone who didn't know they were starving. Mm. I was so starved for nurturing and attention and support, uh, let alone touch, mm-hmm. that I started to weep, mm-hmm. which is a, a word I'm really choosing intentionally. It was weeping. Mm-hmm. And I instantly got so mad at her. <laughs> was, I did. Uh, you, I didn't want to cry. Mm-hmm. No one likes crying right let alone an adult child of dysfunction it's Mm -hmm. emotions are not really something that get attended to so we're really good at compartmentalizing Mm -hmm. um and there is something that if we have time later i want to talk about which is i had a very very high emotional iq Mm -hmm. my emotional intelligence was off the charts and a lot of people who grew up with dysfunction of any kind probably can say the same mm-hmm. but there is a huge difference between emotional intelligence and emotional maturity i had no emotional maturity at all mm-hmm. at all so yeah i didn't do very well being with and being in my own emotions and she really helped me i changed so so much that it's hard to look at photos from that time and be like, who was that? Mm. Um, so that's how I found out about somatic therapy. I was someone who felt it in every cell of my body for, mm-hmm. for a, a, an extended period of time. And like my clients, I would vanish 
for Mm -hmm. for six months, eight months, come back for three or four sessions and then vanish. And I did this off and on for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I was with her consistently for about a year. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I saw her two weeks ago. I still get, you know, three or four sessions a year because why not? Mm -hmm. Especially when things come up. So that's how I found out what it was. And, um, I didn't know I could do it. That's a that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I remember when I lost my job that I had been at for ten years. Now you know being an ACOA was quite a creature creature of habit here. Mm-hmm. Did not like change. I didn't know what to do with myself. And my smack therapist said, "Why don't you do this?" Mm. And I. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't. If this is magic, what you do seems innate mm-hmm. and, uh, and intangible. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, it's a skill. And it can be taught. Mm-hmm. You can do this. And I mean, once she said that, it was almost as if God himself said, you can do this. Mm-hmm. There was no stopping me. Mm-hmm. There was no stopping me. Mm-hmm. Oh, how beautiful. Yeah, I think that's what people would define as having a calling. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's so hard for me to picture you doing anything else. I mean, it's also me I've known you in this role, but <laughs> it's just me weird too. to me to think of a time when you were like, no, I can't do that. I, you know, during the pandemic, uh, I kind of sat back and thought, you know, well, shit. I can't go back to doing anything else. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I kept doing it. <laughs> and it, it, thankfully, thankfully, it worked out. It worked out. But it was a big, it was a big change. It was going from a corporate salaried position to picking up a part-time job that was very, what's the word I want to look for? We'll just go with easy. A part-time job that was easy and then you know three and a half years of training mm-hmm. and homework and and all of that and then once that was over it was kind of like oh crap now what mm-hmm. this wasn't field of dreams where mm-hmm. if you build it they will come mm-hmm. I mean, it's not how it works of dreams so i don't get the reference but he okay. builds a baseball field people come oh okay okay <laughs> that's the Got whole it. movie no it's a good movie Okay. Um, but it definitely wasn't a, if I build it, suddenly uh, people are going to be like, oh, cool, let's do this. And it was hard. The first three years were very hard. Um, oh God, it feels like a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't any stopping me. And I think that that is a huge component of succeeding. Mm-hmm. At anything you want to do, whether it's learning French or learning a new skill like uh, like drawing, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you really, really want to do it, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll bet on you doing it. Okay. I honestly think we should have you back a separate time to talk about business advice because there's so much that you could give. There's just one thing I want to touch on sure. because you mentioned the pandemic. So I remember... It's like the big elephant, right? It's, yeah. it's hard not to... <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, people tell me like when they watch TV, they're like, 
I don't like when the pandemic comes up, like, for example, in reality yes. TV. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, watching shows where there's no reference to it, it's like, I can't even relate to this world anymore. Exactly. It's a, it's a really fine line. A lot of TV shows, um, I kind of just hang out in a couple of genres, really, with TV. And the medical fictionized shows mm. I was watching... Some of them went full tilt and did the entire season on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty much every single one touched on it in, okay. in several episodes because I think that they felt a, a duty. Well, as yeah, as a medical show, yeah. I can't even imagine as, as, just pretending yeah. it's not going yeah, on. <laughs> exactly. And saying, you know what? This is, uh, how do we even pretend mm-hmm. to wear white coats and be professionals? Uh, by the way, I've done a complete 180 with doctors. I love them all now. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> I love them all now. Um, and, you know, that was a bunch of... It was a great lesson. Uh, again, I, I really want to talk about skills. It was a skill, actually. I think a lot of things are skills. Right. A lot of things... Self-awareness, I think, is it's a skill. Oh, my God, you yeah. You can learn to do it. Yeah. You can learn to be self-compassionate. Mm-hmm. You, but you have to it's not information that you know mm-hmm. what is a skill practice right you have to practice um which was a little bit about the eq mm-hmm. uh, thing i was talking about where you know i knew what was going on i was able to have a really high emotional idea of what was happening in a room or with people or with others but I didn't have the opportunity ever to really practice my own emotional expression. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like someone knowing how the game of tennis works mm-hmm. and then being handed a racket. Right. Yes. Not the same thing. But if you really want to learn tennis and you want to be good at it, you're going to hit yeah. the court and you're going to start to do a really great backhand. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of self-improvement is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anywho, I don't know how I got there from doctor shows, but here we are. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was going to ask, so when we first went into quarantine, I remember thinking, how the fuck is Andrea going to keep this going? Because, you know, my experience of somatic Mm -hmm. therapy was I come in, we chat, I get on a table, Mm -hmm. there's touch. I was like, well, none of those things are going to be happening. And then I was so impressed with how much you pivoted and adjusted to the circumstances and kept Mm -hmm. your business going. And again, I would say you had a job where it was a lot harder. I mean, a lot of us could easily just Mm -hmm. be at a computer at home and do things and it was fine, but you really had to pivot. And I think you really made the most of it. So kind of any advice you could give, not necessarily Mm pandemic specific but just to pivoting and adjusting to circumstances it's going to sound a little abstract Mm -hmm. and i only thought of it this just just in this millisecond here which is if you have a love and there is a need Mm -hmm. you'll find a way Mm -hmm. you'll be as creative as it takes because if you still have a love for what you're doing what you're delivering what you're making uh whether it's uh, tangible or not, you know, obviously, you know, commodities and services are very different in that regard. But if if you really still have a love for doing and making uh, and being that, mm-hmm. and there is still a need, 
you'll be able to find a way to do it because if the need's there mm -hmm. and you're still there 100%, mm -hmm. it'll work out. Mm -hmm. Whether it's B2B, whether it's, hey, I, you know, I've never done a workshop remotely. Mm -hmm. Could I do that? Hmm. Or you know what? I've been selling hoodies and t-shirts. Could I make masks? Mm -hmm. Or maybe necklaces to hold a mask when someone takes them. The amount of ingenuity mm -hmm. that we saw, I, I think, really speaks to the human ability to adapt when mm -hmm. we have to. Mm -hmm. When we have to. So if you're out there doing something and it's not really working, take a step back and, and look at the whole picture. Do you love it? Is there a need? How could you do it a little different? Ooh. I bet there's a way. I always believe that there's never two options. There's always mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. So try and find how many options you can think of for whatever it is you're thinking about, if you're a business owner listening. I love that. Wow, that's such good advice. I need to really sit and think about that. Oh, we can totally powwow together if you'd like. Yeah. I love podcasts. I'm a huge supporter of podcasts. I think these are wonderful, especially ones that are conversation. Mm-hmm conversation because we all want to belong right you know especially coming out of 18 months historically of isolation mm -hmm. literally isolation we're dying for connection and, and being included and, and mm -hmm. being a part hearing that someone might be talking to you even if it's just for one minute out of an entire hour and a half mm -hmm. it's hey i see you oh shit i've been seen so I love yeah. conversational kind of podcasts like this. They're, they're my favorite. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, speaking of which, I wanted to maybe touch on a couple of things that listeners write in a lot about. Absolutely. So the first one is fight picking. And I'll just be very honest. I mean, I would say a very big part of why I started seeing you is because I just could not stop picking fights with my boyfriend mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And not so much anymore. I actually really, it's very, it's very, very rare that Ozzy and I fight. I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah, it's very, it's very rare. Well, I'm we not do... surprised, but I am really happy to hear yeah. that. Yeah, it's, yeah, you'd be proud. It's a very functional and healthy I was going to say an adult relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is adult, except that we both act like little kids. Like we're both yeah. very silly. But yeah, it's not a whole lot of fighting. When we do fight, it is really just me. And he is barely a participant. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's okay. Clearly he just lets me kind of, yeah. Right? He lets me like, you know, get it out of my system. <laughs> Emotions have to be in motion. And if pacing and getting it out is, is what you need, and your partner's able to respect that for you and also not take it personally i think then that's that's a good recipe there for success yeah absolutely but yeah so i mean i know it's broad and there's probably oh, a yeah. zillion yeah. different i think if we go causes, back oh there but, are. Yeah. everybody is so i knew mr rogers said it everybody there's no there's only one of you in the whole world uh mm. that's how he said it and we are very unique um educational point first which is your body is this incredible imprint of neuropathways. And those neuropathways are imprinted by your perceived experiences, your actual experiences, your beliefs, mm 
your every, literally absolutely everything. Your body's doing it right now. And they're still trying to organize though for safety and protection. So mm. not to answer a question with a question because I, I won't uh, end there. I'll keep going. But what is it about picking fights that could make you feel comfortable? Mm. Is this a habit for some people? Yeah, sure. Some people grew up in chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. And when you grow up in chaos, fighting is your version of normal. If we're operating out of the belief, which I, I, I carry, is normal is just what we're used to. Mm-hmm. The body hates change. Our brains hate change. So if chaos and arguments are something you feel familiar with and comfortable with, not arguing, in fact, might make you feel profoundly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, what's wrong? What's wrong? That's, I mean, that's what your body's constantly doing for you. Mm-hmm. Looking for assessed threats and perception of, of, of danger. Uh, an- another reason we might pick fights is, and it, it's, it's a childlike thing. And I, I say that with such love because childlike is not childish. Mm-hmm. It's a very childlike thing for us to have big feelings and you know big love and not the skill in understanding them for ourselves let alone communicating them with another so what do we do we test mm. we test the invisible mm-hmm. i can't see it i can't touch it but i need affirmation and assurance that you won't leave Mm-hmm. I want reassurance mm-hmm. and affirmation that you'll accept all the parts of me. Mm-hmm. So here's the big, the bad, and here's the loud, uh, and here's you know sometimes the cruel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll do that without even knowing that we're doing it to seek out that affirmation and perceived security. Now again, perception is this is flawed. This is this is deeply flawed because we're not really sitting with, well, why am I doing this? Right. <laughs> what's what's making me feel uncomfortable here? What am I really looking for? What part of me feels like it's got something to say? What part of me doesn't feel safe? Mm-hmm. Always really going back to that, those two tenements, safe and, and protected. Do I feel protected? Can I protect myself against this person? When we're in love, we're vulnerable right? Mm -hmm. And when we're vulnerable, all of your protection mechanisms are going to show up. The cavalry is going to come. Vulnerable is hard and a new relationship can make us feel very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So protection mechanisms are going to show up and some of them might actually be proving to yourself that you can still fight for yourself. There's Mm. a, gosh, there are so many reasons that I could really think of of why we would pick a fight. Mm -hmm. But Whatever the reason is, out of I think they rattled off two or three, it's important. Mm-hmm. It's important, and I'm sure that at least one of the two or three in whatever relationship it is isn't really enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I hope that kind of gives an idea of you know it could be this, it could be that, it could be this. But yeah, there's you bet. You bet your butt there's a good reason for it. It's just not known yet. Mm-hmm. Known is knowledge that we have, but wisdom is knowledge that we don't know yet. 
mm-hmm. and your emotional expressions, your parts, your body, they're full of wisdom. Mm-hmm. That knowledge is right there. It's right there. Uh, if we can sit still, I like to say, take a beat, take a pause, and check in and go, hmm, what is this feeling? What does it feel like? Do I recognize it? Mm. How familiar am I with this feeling? And break out the journal. Mm-hmm. Break out the journal and start to get to know this feeling the way you'd want to get to know someone at a party. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's familiar, that gives you a really good clue here that it goes back in your life. Mm-hmm. So why we pick fights? Like everything. So that something feels better. Wow, that was a really good answer. Oh, thanks. I just made it up. <laughs> that, was, that sounded like a rehearsed I speech. Did not <laughs> wow, that was so good. Okay, kind of along with fight mm-hmm. picking, adult tantrums. Sure. I recently had a bit of a tantrum. It's pretty embarrassing, but Uh-oh. I'll share it. Do you want to go into it? <laughs> I will. Okay. Um, just to, you know, kind of illustrate something uh, and in case anyone relates, which honestly probably no one will because it was such a bad moment. So I should preface this with I haven't been feeling very well for a few months now. Hmm. Um, we're not sure what's wrong. My doctor suspects there might be a thyroid issue. I just I'm beyond fatigued. Like every day it feels like I have the flu. I'm not like contagious sick. I just have I no energy. Okay. And so I'm already just a little depleted. So it I just want to kind of use it as an excuse for why I reacted <laughs> so strongly to this. And the other preface is I really, 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 really love my night guard. Mm-hmm. It is, I would trade some of the relationships that I have with humans in my life mm-hmm. just for my night guard. Now, I know what a night guard is, but does everybody listening know what a night guard is? Um, a night guard is something my dentist made for me. It goes on my top teeth. It just prevents me from it's for grinding and I do a lot of clenching so if I don't wear it I wake up with extreme jaw pain and uh like the inside of my ears almost swell up like I realized I needed one because I went to the ear doctor and I was like I think there's something wrong with my ears and he's like no your ears are actually like beautiful what you have is swelling from clenching your jaw so much same thing happened to me it was my my nasal cavity was inflamed and I kept thinking Mm. I have an infection and it was the ENT that said, no, you you have TMJ, which is, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's an acronym to describe a uh, similar to pelvic floor, which is a hypertonic muscle state. It is basically a hypertonic muscle state uh, that is occurring in your mandible, which is that hinging jaw motion. Okay. Uh, mine actually hurts today, and I'm blaming that I bought a house on it, so... <laughs> Fair enough. I'm sure it's related. Actually, real quick aside, um, we had a sex therapist on the podcast once. Oh, great. And she said that there's a connection between jaw clenching and pelvic clenching. I couldn't agree more. Okay. I couldn't agree more. Um, It is staggering. Whenever I have a new client come in that tells me they have one or the other, I'll ask about the other. The gross majority absolutely have both. There is a huge connection. It's holding tension in the body, period. Mm -hmm. End of story. 
And if I was walking around with my bicep clenched, my forearm clenched, you would see it and I would be aware of it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm holding tension in my face, my jaw, yeah, let alone my pelvic floor, I'm not going to be aware of it. You're not going to see it. So your body kind of is like, okay, this is a safe place to hold tension. Mm-hmm. No one can tell. You're none the wiser. And we're ready. We're bracing for impact. We're bracing for the shoe to fall. Um, yeah, huge correlation. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so back to my yes, adult please. tantrum. Your night guard. So <laughs> I usually keep my night guard. I wash it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I use a toothbrush. I really get in there. I treat it with a lot of love. And then I put it in this folded towel that I have on the dresser next to my bed. And then at night, I go grab it out of the towel. I pop it in. It's the best moment of every day. (laughs) So this one particular night, I go to grab it, and it's not there. I saw that coming. Yeah. (laughs) And the towel, I should add, was folded differently. And the cleaning lady had been there that day. So I was like, okay, she obviously touched the towel because it's folded differently. And the night guard must have fallen somewhere. Now I am, it's midnight. I'm throwing things out of the drawer. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, just freaking out trying to find it. I call my boyfriend. I'm wailing to him. He's like working late on a project. And he's like, this is, I just, I don't know. Have you looked here? Have you looked here? I'm like just throwing mm-hmm. my bed around the room, basically. I call the cleaning lady. I'm freaking out at her at midnight, mind you. <laughs> and um, yeah, didn't find it. I did find, I had a, my old night guard, my dog, Samantha, ruined a few years ago. She um, tried to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> It got a little bent out of shape. So I, while I was waiting for my new one, I just cut off the parts that were really fucked up and mm-hmm. I would still wear the front of it. And it would like make my cheeks bleed because of the way I oh, cut it. No. But I was like, I am so committed to this night guard mm-hmm. that I'd rather have bloody cheeks than not have a night guard in. So I found that one. I went to sleep. The cleaning lady came at seven. She found it. It was in a drawer. But I mean, I... How did you feel when she found it? I mean, I was happy that I had it. It was somewhere where I'd actually searched for it. So it was kind of a little bit in disbelief. Um, And Mm. yeah, I mean, but more than anything, I was extremely embarrassed about how I handled the whole situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was bad. It was so bad that she was like, do you still want me to come next week or no? And I was like, wow, I'm a fucking monster. You had a disproportionate emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. We've all had them. Now I'm I'm hearing this story and I'm thinking, what what was that? Oh, wow, what was that like? Oh, I wonder what that that's like. And let me just offer up uh, for uh, just for time's sake what I heard. Mm-hmm. You have a relationship with this night guard that's really similar to a child and their security blanket. Mm -hmm. And when it went missing, you had a very childlike response as though their security blanket was missing. How many times have we heard stories about a kid forgetting their favorite toy at home or forgetting uh, a blanket at home and freaking out? Mm -hmm. Now, to me, it's 
it's reasonable. Mm -hmm. I think it's perfectly reasonable. No one would say to that kid, hey, buck up. (laughs) Right? (laughs) No one would say to that kid, hey, you're five. Stop freaking out. Grow up. Well, actually, unfortunately, yeah, a lot of people would. I'm sure some people have heard that. Anywho, back to this. There's some sense of security with it that's attached. And when that security suddenly left, it completely threw you. Mm Mm-hmm. And when we have disproportionate emotional reactions, it takes us out of any semblance of choice. There are no Mm. options in this. You needed to find this security now. It didn't matter that it was midnight. It didn't matter that your partner wasn't here and couldn't actually (laughs) help you look. You needed help finding. There was nothing in this world in those moments other than finding this sense of security. But what we're really talking about is a sense of security. Mm Mm-hmm. So in those moments, we have to realize that what we're talking to here is, well, what we're really dealing with here is a case of emotional reasoning, which is okay. We Mm -hmm. all do it. We all do it. Um, I had a night guard for many years, and when I couldn't find it, it was frustrating because I was afraid, well, you know, I need this so my jaw doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. That is reasonable. Now, my little freakouts <laughs> trying to find it may not have been reasonable. When we feel that we need something and suddenly it's gone, that's scary. Mm-hmm. That would be scary for anybody. So you had a childlike response to it. If you, and then once it's, I like, it, I asked, well, what did it feel like when she found it? Because I wanted to know what it felt like. And embarrassment was what you said. Because once it was relieved and the need was satisfied, only then were you capable of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. So it's in these moments where we want to acknowledge, whoa, I'm having a really big feeling. Stop. Take a beat. Take a breath. Mm-hmm. And be with the really big feeling. The way an adult would be with a child. Because this is a childlike response. And say, mm. whoa, big feeling. I know we can't find the night guard right now. It's not where it's meant to be. We'll figure this out because I'm an adult and I can. Mm -hmm. If we buy another one tomorrow, do you think we can get through one sleep? Mm -hmm. In all fairness, it takes a while for them to get me. It's about two weeks, right? Yeah. I I have a backup plan. I'm going to order a backup night guard. You can absolutely do that. I'll put it in a safe in a lockbox. Now, what you're saying is actually... A different version, which I love, which is, I hear you, big feeling, I recognize you, and as the adult, I will take care of us. That's it. That tantrum that you're describing was just a really big feeling that goes back to a sense of security and and it suddenly being gone, a need Mm -hmm. suddenly going unfulfilled, which goes back to scarcity and and fear and... Again, the story I was hearing was very akin to a child losing their favorite stuffed animal. Mm -hmm. So we have to speak to it like a child, which is, hey, guess what? We have two now. This will not happen again. I've got you. Yeah. I've got you. And that's kind of reconciling the emotion. Mm -hmm. Right? It happened. It was expressed. It was acknowledged. And then it was regulated and remedied. And now that circle is complete. Mm -hmm. It won't happen again. Mm-hmm. At least insofar as a night guard. Right. Now, a sense of security could be anything. 
Mm-hmm. It could be a, a partner not answering the phone. Yep. It Definitely be, had my share of freak outs about that. <laughs> it could be uh, a boss saying, hey, I, I want to talk to you at the end of the day. It could, could be a lot of things. A sense of security suddenly leaving would be scary for anybody. So coming to these feelings without judgment uh, of adult and saying, oh, it's an adult tantrum, really saying it is an adult tantrum and, and that's okay. I get to have the full spectrum of emotion and be an adult. These can happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I know with human experience that we all have needs and we all desire safety and security and protection. I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. I'm sure other listeners are thinking about the time they freaked out about something. I hope so. If anyone's re- listening and can relate, please DM me. I want to hear your stories. Make me feel better yeah. about my tantrum, please. <laughs> <laughs> But you did exactly what you needed to do. You did Mm -hmm. exactly what you needed and said, okay, this cannot happen again. It was not tolerable, uh, unacceptable. And, you know, I love that accountability Uh, and saying, nope, not doing that again. Let me take accountability and and say that happened. And I'm going to do what I have to do to take care of that part of me that freaked the hell out. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that part feels taken care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will say last week, so another item that I really mm-hmm. love, not quite as much, but up there are my AirPods. Mm. I really like... It's interesting because both of these things kind of go in you. <laughs> one goes in your mouth, <laughs> one goes in your ear. So there is kind of a little bit of a touch relationship here. Yeah, there is. You yeah. know, this isn't, you're not talking about a vase, for Christ's yeah, sake. Yeah, no, no, no. They're, this yeah. is felt. Yeah, and they provide services. Like, I walk my dog. I walk everywhere. I like to listen to things. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like it does something for me. And I was walking out with Sam, and I opened my AirPod case. And I have to add, one thing that really drives me up the wall isn't just something missing that I need. It's when I can't explain what happened. Ah. That's part of it, because I'm like, this makes no sense. So I opened the AirPod case. Only one AirPod is in. That makes no sense. It makes no sense. I, I'm very meticulous. I always put two away. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, I could freak out or I can just put in the one AirPod, mm-hmm. listen to something. When I get back, I'll look more thoroughly. But like she had to pee, so it wasn't an option in the moment. Mm-hmm. And the worst case scenario here is I go and I buy a new fucking AirPod tomorrow. <laughs> Okay. I'm not going to freak out about this. It is not worth my energy. This and is a I wonderful moved right just, along. This is a wonderful comparison in saying, well, here was one thing where there was no reasoning. And here's a similar thing that I was able to reason with. Yeah. And I mean, it was because I, I, you know, that whole experience was such a bad look. And I was so embarrassed that I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go ahead and not do that again. And see, it's experience that's necessary for us to have and build the skill of emotional maturity mm-hmm. had the night guard experience not happened and your body didn't learn from it and learn that you were able to handle it by saying this will never happen again who knows if the airpod would or wouldn't have been more disproportionate than it was mm-hmm. oh i'm sure it would have been yeah i'm sure it would have absolutely. been absolutely <laughs> but yeah there is a stunning moment where something doesn't make sense Mm-hmm. That is a huge component of a lot of challenges, I think, for people uh, when we're attempting to 
get through, get over, get past, whatever you want to use here, an issue is when we can't make sense of it. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of versions of that all the time. And Mm -hmm. that's how we're designed, though, is to try and make sense of it. Your body desperately wants to understand so it can prepare for the next time. Mm -hmm. And your thinking mind, this prefrontal neocortex that we have in our our conscious self, our rational thinking, our executive functions, they want to make sense of everything, Mm -hmm. which is part of why it's believed we dream, which is at Mm -hmm. night, it's our subconscious uh, being in the background and our conscious attempting to make sense of one another trying to make all the pieces fit Mm -hmm. it's it's literally how you're designed is to make sense so when you saw one and not the other it's like whoa (laughs) yeah what happened (laughs) (laughs) and that's okay yeah okay i've kept you for forever i just want to touch on (laughs) one last thing i did notice it got dark out (laughs) (laughs) i I was like i got here like three o'clock this is really turning into like a conference now (laughs) that's okay and by the way i did i appreciate you thinking of me during the pandemic and i did think of you uh, as i always do when we have to change the clocks oh my god yeah i don't i don't think people on this podcast know about this and i'll talk about it a separate time i am passionate about daylight savings i really do believe that your legacy might be some kind of litigation case or something i what <laughs> i wouldn't do to change it i sometimes like once when people are like oh but like you get to sleep in more i'm like no 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 that is not what's happening mm-hmm. we are just arbitrarily changing yeah. a number that's what's happening it is um it, you know i gotta say it never got to me this year it has Mm-hmm. And I'm almost grateful for the experience because I hear about people loathing it getting dark so early. And I didn't really feel it until this year. And I, I can't quite figure out why that is. Mm. Uh, I think that maybe in 2021, I was like, this is going to be different. Uh, and then <laughs> I was like, I'm not done yet. It's only four o'clock. I'm mm. not done. Mm-hmm. But anyway, as we were saying, yes, what was the okay. last thing you wanted to ask? Um, well, second to last thing, okay. I have a fun question for the end. Sure. We're saving the blushing question oh, for the yes. end. yes, we have to make sure that yeah. that blush thing gets in. Yeah. I love it. But before we get to that, can you just talk about men and therapy? I, um, I feel like it's a lot more normalized for women mm. to seek therapy. Mm-hmm. I would imagine probably more of your clients are women than men, yeah. although I think you do have some men, I right? Do. I do. I do. Yeah. I make it for me, I agree with you, and I, it, it's this is not a tough statistic to figure out here. If you Google this, it, it, it's obvious. Um, only 20% of my caseload, 15%, mm-hmm. is are, are men. Mm-hmm. Um, and the therapy with them is different. Mm-hmm. The therapy itself is different because you have to take into account that just like for a woman we're taught by movies uh i'm trying to make it as blameless as possible here but we kind of get this induction into our gender of being caring and compassionate right Mm -hmm. that's kind of expected men get one too and theirs is more of be strong and uh be uh, tough or successful Mm -hmm. i think that maybe three things or one is interchangeable but not really conducive 
to being emotional. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I do believe, I really, really do believe that that's been changing slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my first few years in practice, no men came to see me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I, some of my favorite clients, like the top five, uh, one of them is a man. Mm -hmm. So it is slowly changing, but it isn't, I don't believe it is so much a equitable choice as much as it is a no I I don't need therapy because that's kind of what I'm told Mm -hmm. I I don't know how actively participating they are in in the decision making of whether or not they want to see a therapist there's tremendous resistance Mm -hmm. tremendous resistance I hear it a lot from uh my clients when they say hey, I, you know i talked to my my boyfriend my partner my husband uh even my brother or my uncle and uh, i think the most heartbreaking is my son mm-hmm. about seeing a therapist and i've tried and they won't mm-hmm. there is something here i think that actually a man could answer a lot better for you I'd be really curious what a man would say. Right. If he could stand up and say, you know, I feel confident representing this. But it's definitely a the same way us, you and I, are be feminine, be nurturing, mm-hmm. be maternal, take care of it. You know, even in its most ignorant, arrogant, antiquated, clean and cook. Mm-hmm. Men are given the same kind of messaging, but it is in complete contrast to us. And that contrast is not really conducive to being emotionally expressive beings. Right. Do you think as a result of that, men are more likely to somaticize (laughs) emotional pain? More likely? No. I I think that the human design is gender neutral completely. However, however, there are some tendencies I've been seeing with with men that are not explicitly somatic but mm-hmm. once they're kind of given the pass to do it and it mm-hmm. being something related to strength or success or uh resiliency yeah they'll do it yeah uh, most men that i work with usually tried cognitive behavioral therapy because that's also a very masculine approach mm-hmm. in some ways because it's linear in many ways there's homework, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that the feminine energy, and this is a little Eastern medicine, mm-hmm. uh, and I am not an Eastern medicine practitioner, but I do have the joy of working alongside a few over at my office. Mm-hmm. Male energy tends to be a fix approach. Mm-hmm. Let me fix. Mm-hmm. Women tend to, the feminine energy tends to be more a, a flowy let's feel and talk mm-hmm. um, and I think that a lot of women can relate to presenting their male partner or masculine partner with a bad day mm-hmm. and them going immediately into fix mm-hmm. well what can we do mm-hmm. how can I make you feel better and because our feminine energy and what we're used to with our female and feminine friends is to talk about it mm-hmm. we feel dismissed shut down and there's a disconnect mm-hmm. even though the intention remains beautiful and pure 
mm-hmm. trying course. to make you feel better. It still yeah. is there, but the approach fundamentally uh, is is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I love that. If any men are listening, hit up Andrea. Sure. <laughs> let's let's start the revolution. And you know what? I love that. Let's start the revolution. Yeah addressing your emotional issues will make you feel better physically. So if that's the push that you need. Yes. One of the saddest consult calls I ever had, and I've had a lot, Mm -hmm. was someone who heard I worked with pelvic pain. And this is not. We all have pelvic. We we all have pelvic floors. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. all do. Men are affected as well. And it was a man who called me, and he was in so much pain. He... He didn't have any idea what it was. And a 15-minute consult call turned into about 50 minutes on the phone. Mm -hmm. Walking him through what to do, practitioners to see, because he was describing textbook symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction in men. Mm -hmm. And he had never heard of it before. And he was so genuine and desperate. And he's like, "Who, who should I go to? Who can I see? Help me. Mm-hmm. So I just sat back and said, okay, well, fuck it. I've got nothing to do for the next hour. I'm going to help this dude get started. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be with me because he needs, a lot needs to happen first. We need mm-hmm. to rule out prostatitis. We need to rule out um, anal fissures. There's a lot of medical ruling out that has to take place first. So I will walk him through every step. Mm-hmm. And I never heard from him again. But I like to think that he, that something happened, even if it was, one step forward and then he's in a little less pain now right this reminds me just quick story when i was in college i dated this guy who used to cheat on me all the time and (laughs) all the time (laughs) um and so i caught him once it wasn't that serious of a relationship so i caught him once he had cheated on me with a million people we kind of got back together And then he really was good for a while. And then he cheated on me another time. And he wasn't planning on telling me, but he ended up telling me because he said, my balls really hurt. I think I must have caught something. Oh, I see. So he felt that he had to confess. Yeah. The chance of a... An STD. Yeah. So I went and got tested and the woman at the clinic said, I see this all the time. Men feel guilty they have these phantom pains. It's mm-hmm. not real. And she's like, obviously, we're running tests, but I'm telling you, things look pretty normal, and that's a good yeah. sign. And I ended up being clear, and as soon as I was clear, his ball pain went away. And he's that's not even... amazing. Yeah, he's not even like an emotional type of guy. I remember yeah. when she said that, I was like, I don't think so. He doesn't seem like the type of guy who would feel that guilty. You know, so Amanda's, first of all, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. And yeah, okay. I, I'm really glad that he saw the right person. That That's really wonderful that he saw the right person. Uh, even though, screw that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you're listening, fuck you. Basically. <laughs> uh, but when we're talking about the physical manifestation of emotions, there is a common factor. And the common factor is they are not resolved. Whether they're repressed, mm. most of the time, yes, but not all of the time. So mostly repressed, not all the time, but really the common manifestation, the common thread here in allowing an emotion to affect us physically, which happens, oh my God, it happens all the time, is when it's not getting what it needs. In, in this case, very 
uh, eloquently and concisely, it was guilt. Mm -hmm. Guilt was not getting relief. Mm -hmm. And it was internalized. And when we internalize, eventually it will come out. As someone uh, who I admire in the industry said, uh, the body is speaking all the time. And it's only when we don't listen that it will begin to scream. Mm -hmm. Uh, And pain tends to be how a scream gets heard. Mm -hmm. All right, Andrea. I'm not going to keep you much longer. Just share with us something that made you blush, which I believe was a consult call. It wasn't so much what they said. It was how woefully unprepared I was for it. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen someone on TV, fictionalized or otherwise, try to buy pot from someone and there's like this weird dog butt sniff moment where they're making sure no one's an undercover cop Mm -hmm. i got a consult call from a man and it felt like he was making sure i wasn't an undercover cop it's the only way i can describe how i registered it in Mm -hmm. a nonverbal way was i'm getting scoped out Mm mm-hmm and I'm, I'm a pretty transparent person because I, I don't like wasting time, despite how long this podcast is. <laughs> and I said, what is it that you need help with? What, what are we talking about? What is it that I can help you do? Now, <clears throat> because my pelvic pain story is uh, accessible on my, my website and uh, a, a great YouTube video out there from the Pelvic Health Summit, a lot of people do find me for pelvic pain and pelvic pain by nature is a sexual dysfunction Mm -hmm. and he he was so dodgy it was he was responding as if i like had a a water gun aimed at him or something (laughs) he was really really dodgy uh and he said i have trouble ejaculating and that's not a blushable thing and I said, okay, I understand. This is a symptom of, you know, sometimes pelvic floor dysfunction. This is not what I said, but my mind is is gathering. Okay, you know, this is something I've heard. And I said, okay, I understand. All right, well, maybe I can help. And before I launched into my questions, he asked me, he said, would you be able to help me um, I know that you do touch. Could I look at your feet? I won't <gasps> touch you, but could I look at your feet and you talk me through and help me ejaculate? <laughs> How could I be prepared for that? I was unprepared for that. <laughs> and obviously the answer is a huge no, but I'm so proud of myself in the moment. Thank God I blushed because it gave me the take a beat, <laughs> take a breath. And I said, I'm so sorry. That is not something that I can assist you with. However, I believe a sex therapist may be the best place to start and, and, and go from there. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I wish you the best. Thank you so much. Good, good luck to you. And I hung up the phone and I mean, I may as well look like a seven-year-old. <laughs> and then my, you know, the pitter-patter of my feet on the hardwood floor ran running into my husband's office to tell him what happened. Um, I was... And again, I think that a lot to do with blushing is when you're unprepared. <laughs> True. I was not prepared for it to go that way. That's a good point. It is 
being unprepared, huh? I think so. I think that there's a there's a there's a component to it. You know, we think about blood flushing to our faces and it being a vasodilator. Um, something must be happening in our metabolic system, and oftentimes the body responds to what we're not prepared for. Because if we're prepared, the body doesn't need to respond. Right. Wow, learning so much here today. I mean, we could talk about that all day. I, I, again, this is why it's never boring. Yeah. It's never, never boring and uh, endlessly fascinating. And because everyone's so unique, it's never the same. Right. Well, we need to have you back on the podcast. Sure. This sure, was I'd so much to. fun. Thank you so much for taking so much time. For everyone listening, I will put the pelvic floor stuff. I will hook you up with uh, some of the best people in New York City. Amazing. Uh, to talk to you about that. I, I'm, I'm happy to, to help with it, but I am not the place to start with it because the first thing we need is to get an actual diagnosis from a professional who really understands these conditions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll put that information in the show notes. All of Andrea's information will be in the show notes if you want to work with her. I highly recommend it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please send it to someone who you think would benefit from it. Leave a five-star review. Do all the things. Put it in your stories. Yada, yada. <laughs> Love you guys.